Hey, what's up? Welcome back to Project Freelance. How is it going? My name is Kay Anagonio, and I am your host here on this podcast all about freelancing. If you're new to the podcast, well, thank you for joining us. If you're a veteran listener, welcome back. It's nice to have you here again. This week on the podcast, I am talking to a guy that does production work, and he's also the drummer of my band, Matriarchs. His name is Ben Levy, and if you guys enjoy this episode at any point in time, please do me a favor and leave a rating and feedback. Take a screenshot of your feedback and send it to me at Project Freelance, either on Instagram or Twitter, and I will send you a signed photo print from an abandoned building that I have explored. I explore abandoned places when I'm not freelancing, and when I am freelancing, I try to set my shoots in abandoned places so that I can continue to pursue my passion of exploring abandoned places. So, Speaking of abandoned places, I have a book out called No Tracers, An Urban Explorer's Diary. It is full of stories and photographs from my explorations. And if you want to pick up a copy, you can go to notracers.com shop. Pick up your copy today. I'll sign it for you and include two signed photo prints as well. So I need to thank our partner, Liquid Death Water. And if you've never heard of Liquid Death Water, don't worry. I've got an ad coming for you in three, two, one. From the streams of the Austrian Alps comes a new kind of water. A water that is sure to raise you from your grave. If you're tired of buying cases of plastic water bottles that contain carcinogens and God knows what else, or if you're trying to lower your waste footprint, Liquid Death comes in beautifully rugged aluminum cans. Murder your thirst with a can of Liquid Death. Check the link in the description and use code just the letter K at checkout for 10% off your order. Liquid death. Murder your thirst. So yeah, please use code just the letter K at checkout or hit the link in the description and it will take you directly to that affiliate link where you can get a discount on your water. Thank you, Liquid Death, for partnering with this podcast and everything I do. I appreciate you guys more than you know. All right, without further ado, Ben, can you please introduce yourself and what it is you do to the Project Freelance audience? Okay, my name is Ben Levy, and I run Sonic Boom Mixing and Mastering Pros, which does post-production audio, like all forms of post-production audio, from mixing and mastering to you know podcast editing, uh, whatever is necessary. So let's talk about how you got into audio in the first place. Uh, you're also a musician, and I think that's something super important that we should discuss as well on here. Um, so tell me how you got into music, and then tell me how you got into post-production audio afterwards. Well, I was always into production. I went to school for at Cal State Northridge for like television production. So I had been kind of going that way anyway and i've been playing music i discovered music around the same time around like 16 17 i started playing so all all those passions kind of happened at the same time i went to school for that and then my first production job ended up being uh doing sound i was doing sound for like a kind of like a trl but for spanish television Hmm. and so i was just doing the fade ins and outs you know like you know whatever the music was when the show was coming back online or whatnot um, that's how I started doing that. That's sick. I love that you, you know, went to school and, and got a gig in production and just kind of like dove into it. Um, one of my questions is about, you know, formal education versus being self-taught. Um, can you talk a little bit about, 
you what you learned in school and what you brought to your your production work versus the things you taught yourself okay so yeah i mean I am definitely not a proponent for wasting too much time on uh, production education. Uh, <laughs> uh, most of any anything that I got done was self-taught and like on the on the job. Like well, whoever got gave me an opportunity at that point, that's when the real education began. All the other stuff is theoretical, and yeah, there was there was a little bit of help, but um, I feel like not only me but i feel like a lot of people that went uh, especially like during my in my generation um that went to you know film school uh it was kind of like a deterrent because it kind of like a lot of people would have an air of like them knowing better than the people on production and it's like that doesn't and you know what that people skill of not being that guy uh is a lot goes gets a lot gets it gets you a lot farther than uh the education so it's mostly people skills and then just kind of picking it up as you go i feel like the sooner you can get a production job of any kind, the better over education. Yeah. And I think, That's my- I think you can probably agree with this. I wish, cause I went to film school, you know, I have a bachelor's in film production and I wish that we had done more hands-on training. Like, I feel like we learned, you know, the theories and we watched a lot of films and like did all this shit. But like at the end of the day, like they didn't put a camera in my hands enough. You know, I had to learn everything I know about a camera from holding a camera and and trial and error you know like they were like this is what f-stop is but like i didn't understand what f-stop was until i actually had a camera and i could adjust the f-stop on it absolutely i 100 percent agree like film theory is awesome and i think it's like actually it could be very very crucial and important for like showrunners like if you're trying to like come up with an idea you know what i mean and like you're doing the the concept part screenwriting you know that stuff i mean it's great but like for example like you know they they had a focus on directing you know and it's like you know as far as i know i mean i'm sure there's exceptions but the days of you know somebody coming straight out of film school and you know getting a becoming the next quentin tarantino like you know overnight it doesn't really happen anymore like most of the time people are these guys are grinding (laughs) for you know a decade doing all the all the grunt work as far up the you know below the line as far up as it can go and then finally you know they get in the union or whatnot and and start getting that yeah into that situation but it's like a time thing it's not and a work thing it has nothing to do with what you know or any you know like what you could learn at school it has to be an experience thing absolutely um so like yeah i agree with you as far as that's the funny thing it's like they're charging you i mean where did you go to school so i went to sae institute So they've got, they're based out of Australia. Uh, I studied in Dubai and then moved to Australia, but they also have a campus in LA, New York. They've got campuses all over the world. Um, But yeah, that's where I went. I mean, it's kind of awesome that you went to school in Australia. Super cool. That's, that's an experience in and of itself, you know, but um, regardless as to what, you know, what it did for your career or whatnot, um, it's still an awesome thing. But like, for example, you got people that, you know, like I went to a, a local school, you know, state school, whatever. And, you know, they're charging you tuition and you're not getting the real education you need because the fact is it's like it's not in the budget. Like they couldn't give access to like 100 kids or 200 kids, which is what, you know, they were entertaining at my school. Uh, They couldn't give everybody time with a camera enough time to figure it out. You know what I mean? So you'd you'd best be you'd better you're better off spending that money on a on a camera 
and just reading about it and like testing it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> and spending time doing that. Oh, 100%. That's where the skill comes from. It's like if you could get a great shot and you know how to do that every time, then that's the skill. You know, yeah, that speaks for itself. Yeah. And like the one thing I'll say, you know, going to school in Australia was super cool. But I lived in Western Australia, which is like the most isolated city on Earth and in Perth. And uh, so we didn't get to study film like actual film cinematography on film. You know, we did everything digitally because they the year previous to us, they did a they did their projects on film, like their final projects were on film. And when they went to mail out the footage across the country and get it developed because there was nowhere in Perth that could do it. So they had to send it across the country and then on its way back, it like wasn't refrigerated properly. And so all the film got burned. So all their final projects were completely destroyed. So they just decided like, well, we're not going to, we're not going to do that with you guys. You'll just learn digital. So like I've never used film before. And like, I feel like I missed out on this huge opportunity to, to learn the techniques and the skills to do that kind of stuff and like that experience. Have, have you shot on film? I've never shot on like, film. Have you been on a sh- have you been on a shoot where they're shooting? No, film? every shoot I've been on has been digital. Every single one. Well, it's a I mean like it's overrated. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> oh, I've for done sure. I've done both and like it's just it's just more turn it's like less turnaround time, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's, they they give you the numbers I think in the textbooks, you know, it's like you can get something like 15 pages done in a day yeah. digital, but like two <laughs> on a film. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's a crazy how like and it's so uh, finicky. You know right. what I mean? Like you got the guys that were I was watching this movie that was shot on film. Um, oh, fuck it. Uh, Karate Kid. I, oh, yeah. I watched uh, I watched Cobra Kai and then I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to watch uh, the originals. You mm. know? And there are these beautiful like panoramic major shots in these movies like they like i i don't really see that anymore like more people are more focused on like the cgi when it comes to the view of things you know what i mean they like more of a fantasy look but like these are just these clean this these clean beautiful shots like the amount of time and effort spent on like one shot is just unreal compared to now where it's like people are just burning through as many pages as they can quick you know what i mean it's it's just a different world yeah i feel like people that shoot on film have more of an appreciation for what they're doing as well you know like like when you're shooting digital you could do the same shot for for an hour you know just over and over and over and over again until you get it perfect but with film you have to be coordinated you have to be like on your game oh yeah yeah no i mean i i don't want to say it but i want to say that like it was just it was a different kind of expert. Yeah. hundred percent. Different, different level. Um, you just couldn't afford to fuck up the way that you can now. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. You know, it's like, it, it's crazy to see the difference between those worlds. I do have friends that shoot on film and I recently had a Josh Schrader music producer. He's done King 810, The Art Murder. He's done a bunch of heavier bands as far as like music production goes. And he, shot one of King 810's uh, music videos on film and he kind of like he was like oh I want to give this a shot see if I'm like good at it and the it came out great but he was like I'm never doing that again <laughs> never again just because it's so such a task to do to shoot on film yeah I mean I I was not even an AC so it's like but I just just watching the pro oh I was in, I think I AD'd I AD'd a film shoot two actually and they were both, it was just, just the, 
amount of time that it took to set up the shot and then have to stop because you got to change roles. Mm. That's another thing. Like, uh, yeah, no, it's just. And once you burn it, it's like, that's it. Yep. <laughs> that's all you got. I guess you could do. I mean, there's there's a lot of color correction you could do. True. You could do a lot of stuff. True. But yeah, that authenticity I, of the film is is totally different than than digital, I think. And I wonder how malleable the footage is because I've never done it. I've yeah. never like taken film and put it in in Premiere and mess with it. Right. Like I don't know how receptive it is to, you know, post production butchery that gets <laughs> done now. Yeah, you can clean up anything almost these days. Oh yeah, definitely. And thank thank goodness for you know programs like Premiere and you know Final Cut, whatever people are using out there. Absolutely. Um. So more on audio production stuff. So, how long did it take you to get to a level where you were like? you considered yourself like a, like a professional. I mean, obviously being a professional means that you're getting paid for your work, but sometimes, you know, people starting out, they, they work for a lower rate. And like you said earlier, you work from the bottom up. Um, how long did it take for you to like find your value and your worth? Man. Um, it's, you know, it's a, it's a journey every day to find my value and worth. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, you're not wrong though. I feel you. (laughs) No, but I mean, I think it was the, what for me, what it was, it was how can I offer something that I'm super confident that I could just deliver every time in like a way where I know that 90% of the time people aren't going to send it back. Like I think with a business mind and when I approach, when I used to approach music and even film production, whatever, anything, because I'm getting back into that too. When I did it the first time, I was very art artist focus it was very like right brain everything and that and given the fact that i i'm a business owner and like i did well in that but it had nothing to, well i mean i i'm a ticket broker so it's like live entertainment but it, it doesn't really have much to do with the artistic side of things and when i learned the business side of of things and how kind of universal certain principles are i started rethinking my passion like the passionate stuff And so now I'm kind of on this level where I'm like, okay, well, what can I offer a customer that like they need that they're going to like think is clutch and that, you know, like they're, and that they're going to be happy with that, that product over and over again. And so it's like, once I had that, then I was confident. I mean, it was, it all clicked after that, but I had to go through this whole journey of business before I got there. So I don't know if, you know, I'm a great example. No, I mean, I, I love that though. I love that, you know, you learned and studied the business side of things. I think that that's so important. And a lot of people overlook that part of it, you know, like going back to what I learned in film school, you know, we only did a, like a month of business training and I wish we had learned more about how to operate your own business as a freelancer, because mostly what they were teaching was how to, how to be on set like how to be a part of a crew, like a production house kind of thing. And so I didn't really learn how to be a freelancer and I had to teach myself how to do that. I just had to do it trial and error and fail a lot before I figured out how to, how to do it. Survival. Yeah, exactly. Go in the deep end and figure it out. And you did. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, Yeah. I mean like freelancing was not even a top (laughs) What's not even a topic of discussion, you know, like I told I we had this conversation like not not on the on record or whatever, but uh, I was telling you, you know, back in the day, you were considered lucky if you got a PA gig where you weren't getting paid. Mm-hmm. That was like that was the goal for the first 
90 days, first year of you, you know, putting yourself out there. And so like productions were just taking advantage of people like over and over again because it was just a cycle of nothing. It's like, yeah, maybe you'd get considered for another gig that got paid. Maybe. But I don't know. You'd have to impress people a hell of a lot to, to for that to happen. You know, it's like these days, like the, the culture is different and everything. It seems it's different, but I think in, in a good way. Um, before it was I felt like it was very ex- uh, uh, I don't know how to say it, but like exploitive or whatever it was exploiting people because people had dreams of like you know working in film and production and stuff like that and they're just trading you know these 12 hour days 16 hour days and working for free man you know and then and then nothing would come of it yeah that happened to a lot of people yeah and like what was it like for you being in la you know doing production work and like because i mean i obviously started elsewhere i started in a different country so i came to la to like pursue this kind of stuff so what was it like to you know kind of come up here um well the opportunity is here and it's like everybody like if you're i mean growing up here had its advantages for sure i mean just people that knowing people that work in certain industries and whatnot um you know it was not hard it's like six degrees of kevin bacon mm-hmm. like it was not hard to find somebody that was that was a shot caller even unfortunately for me like coming from like a punk you know fuck you attitude <laughs> it doesn't really it doesn't really jive Mm. and like that's another thing that like again like you said you know the business side of everything you know the business part is not really uh wasn't really focused on for me or for you you know and it's like that's a business thing to understand like how to work with people and like understand like motivations of different you know the different people that you're going to be dealing with and how to like work with that to make it work for you that's an entire education yeah that people that people definitely need especially in an industry where it's all about networking mm-hmm. you know people take on like when people are set up productions like they hire the people that they like working with true true you know yeah no you're you're so right you know it's it's literally about who you know it's not like people say it's about what you've done but like here it's really about who you know you know it is about the networking process and getting yourself out there and meeting people yeah. I mean, there's, it's, there's, there is a, I mean, I'm a firm believer that the work will speak for itself, mm-hmm. but if you're going to be one of those people, that's the work's going to speak for itself and you're an asshole, the work has got to be tremendous. You know what I mean? Right. It's got to be on some level that I have never achieved and I've never seen. So it's, you're better off just like learning, you know, the importance of networking and, you know, all that stuff that you know you know that's it's important yeah and i think that they don't focus on it at all uh nearly enough you know when they're trying to educate people on on an official level about this business for sure yeah you're completely right they don't they don't educate you about networking and it's like the number one thing that you really need to know to make it yeah it's so crucial you know and that's that goes across any industry not just you know, film production that, that goes to music production that goes to, uh, you know, any type of freelancing work networking is massive. And I, I wish like, if there's one thing I could go back to my teachers or my professors and, and tell them is like, why didn't you teach us about networking? Like, that's the one thing I needed to know, especially moving to California. I knew two people out here when I moved here, you know, like 
I had to do everything from zero. So what did I do? I, I was like, I want to be a music photographer. So I moved down the street from Chain Reaction and started going to shows and started shooting shows because they would let me bring my camera in the venue. And that's how I started networking. I just started meeting people and talking to people. And one thing led to another. I started going on tour with bands. I started, you know, doing more covers and doing more collaborations and just network, network, network. And I like, I wish they had taught me that in school. You know, I feel like I wasted so much time in school not learning the proper things I needed to know. I feel like it's an overall cultural and mentality thing in the United States though as well, or maybe not only in the United States, but since you went to school in Australia, right. but uh, maybe a Western thing, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like this is like what you just described right now is uh, the essence of Eastern, Eastern philosophy and, you know, Buddhist principles, like do what you love. Mm -hmm. Like, don't worry so much about paying the bills. It's like, work on doing what you love because if you keep doing it you're going to get good enough that once you become a master you're going to be able to ask for money for it yeah you know it's just it's it's you just got to stick with it but like there's not really that kind of mentality out here so it's like you got to find a job okay and you got to pick a career and you got to go to a school to learn that career and it's like well with production i don't know about you but when i was growing up production was not like something that was like considered something steady you know yeah. like a doctor a lawyer this kind of shit yeah absolutely and so you're already off the beaten path you're, you're considered going off the beaten path just by picking production because it's kind of an art an art it's an artistic thing uh, in uh, pursuit at least for some you know for the people that are business-minded and they go they go up much quicker if they're business-minded mm -hmm. and they're just like i want to do it because it makes a bunch of money yeah yeah. Like, you know, they, they, they go through the system um, and lo and behold, because they're focused on business, they succeed in business because it's a business. Yep. That's the that's the trick. It's like a it's a business, but it's based on art. So, yeah. And then how do you how do you come across your like clientele? Like, how are people finding you? Is it through social media online? Like, how are how are people finding you? So, yeah, basically with the business. um, the thing that I started looking into was uh, what the quality was for like mixing and mastering uh, because mixing and mastering is something that can be uh, for the most part uh, engineered to be delivered pretty quickly and automate in an automated way. And then once that first uh, pass is given, the client can give you notes and you can dial it into exactly what their specifications want, but you can have like a starting point right away and it makes it easy to set up something like with quick turnaround. So let's say like you're an artist and you want to get a song done and you have a limited budget, you know, you can go online. You don't have to find some big name guy or you don't have to like, you know, pay a bunch of money. You can just go online. There's a bunch of sites that do it, but uh, what I was ch seeing about them is that they weren't very good. Um, and I think that they're not very good because it's fully automated. And that's like kind of the difference between what they do and what we do is it's automated to a, so, well, first of all, everything's done by hand, uh, like at, at first, but we have templates of every kind of uh, music that we've done at this point because we've had so many clients. Um, we're able to kind of develop like a kind of a template that we, we can deliver so that we have, we get adequate notes back from the client so that we can really tailor fit a really good mix and master for them that they're really happy with and it doesn't take a lot of time. So therefore we don't have to charge a lot of money. So it's like something like I'm working on. It's like, you know, 
very basic pr business principle. It's the best quality product at the lowest possible price, something that people might, you know, need. And I, I know I needed it. I, I, I uh, my business partner is Brandon, you know, and, you know, I used him over and over again. And I was, we started thinking about like, you know, what we could do with it. So we decided to go into business together. I'm more the business side of it. He's the, the engineering side of it. Yeah, no, I love that you brought somebody in to, you know, work on this with you. I think that it's great to have a team around you. Can you talk about the importance of having a team and working with somebody else and not just carrying all this weight and all this burden on yourself? Oh, yeah. Um, so there is, yeah, I mean, being able to singularly focus on a certain, just a few uh, amount of tasks is kind of priceless. Uh, when you're running everything yourself, doing everything yourself, something is going to get missed because there's just so many components to, especially, I mean, specifically with running a business, there's just so many components to running a business that um, it actually is working against you if you don't delegate. You know, the people that succeed are the people that delegate work. That's why they have employees and those employees are earning a buck, but they're also making the person they work for a significant amount of money as well. That's sort of the, the goal is like the people that, um, you know, are not able to like let go of that control and uh, trust in other people. It's like it, it ends up biting them in the ass because it's just there's holes in your business at that point because it's like there's not enough time in a day for one person to be handling everything to the max, to the best that, that it can be handled. So better, you know, like Brandon gets plenty of work, but his work is word of mouth, you know. So it's, there's a limitation to that, you know, whereas I come from a big business marketing standpoint, you know, I'm used to spending, you know, in tickets, they spend something like, you know, 10 million, I think a month in advertising. Jesus. So I'm part of that, wow. that culture. Wow. So I'm like, you know, it, it, but it comes back. It's mm. money that comes back. You know what I'm saying? So from that marketing perspective, it's like, well, okay, you, you've got your thing going on, but we could do something that we can do to the masses. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, obviously as a producer and as an engineer, if you want the real experience? You can do that and go to Brandon for that. You know, if you want something that you don't, if you have a, don't have the budget for that, if you're an independent band and you're just trying to get a good sounding mix for, and not break your back, you can come over to this side. You know, still you still get you you get the same thing. The only difference is obviously is with producing. There's a lot of composition involved in that. There's a lot of influence. So like you know, the producer will listen to it and be like, well, why don't you try playing it like that? Obviously, we're not doing that. You know, we're just it's all post production, right? On our end. Gotcha. So when somebody like for example, if a band comes to you and they uh, have a song that they want to work on, say they send you a demo and they're like, hey, do something with this. Uh, talk about that process. Like, what's the process from beginning to end when you guys get get a piece of production to work on? So it depends on what. So depending on the situation, if they're some bands will come to us and it's straight mixing and mastering. They have everything done, everything's already stemmed out properly, and they just send us a zip file. We they give us some samples of things they want it to sound like. We send them a mix. They tell us what they think, what they want us to change. We do that and we deliver it. It's very straightforward. That's like the, the chillest thing in the world. It's basically the quickest, the closest thing to like, you know, McDonald's transaction, you know, very simple. If obviously if a band comes with 
can come to us with demos of you know like unfinished material riffs uh i've seen everything i mean i've helped people come up with stuff from the from the bottom up so depending on what it is um they come to us and the, the process would just be like an email we discuss you know what kind of time it's going to take depending on where the project is and if they agree to that then you know we we uh work on it until they get what they're you know what they're happy with and then out of curiosity do you guys charge like hourly or do you charge per piece like what what do you guys charge we charge for or why we do we do different things it depends on the person because of their budget yeah so like sometimes it depends on what the length of the project like if they're just looking for one song you know it, de- it depends on so we'll we'll price it according to like how we can do it a couple of different ways but a lot of times we i mean i like to do it just charge per song yeah that way it, you know nobody's worried about the time because i mean we're not it's not about rushing anything anyway this this music thing takes time mm. in general it takes time to track it takes time to edit tracks it takes time to comp them it takes time to do all kinds of things so it's uh it's better to go with you know just doing it per per item so i like doing that but you know at, at that price initially might seem heavy mm-hmm. and people don't want to do that so they're like oh we'll do it hourly okay you know we'll see how how that goes yeah yeah it might just take depends. you more time hourly though you know so yeah it just exactly, it just yeah. depends i guess on on budget i mean i'm the same way you know it depends on their budget whether we go with an hourly rate or if we do like a full full rate if you will um, it just like, it depends. It's different for every project. And so it's, it's always cool talking to other freelancers that, you know, go based off of the budget. I think that that helps a lot of people, uh, when it comes to production work. So that's, it's cool that you guys do that based off budget. Um, and then, so for music, let's kind of switch gears to your music, the stuff that you write for your own bands. Uh, talk a little bit about Cutthroat, Matriarchs, uh, t- and, uh, talk about your Fate Destroyed, all the projects you're, you're a part of. Okay. Um, yeah, I play drums in Fate Destroyed. I play drums in Matriarchs, which you are the singer of. And then uh, I play guitar in Cutthroat. And uh, they're all on the heavy side. Matriarchs is more on the, I would say, kind of traditional metalcore, new metalcore kind of thing. Fate Destroyed is a little more on the commercial side. It uh, has an industrial programming kind of uh, modern twist um and cutthroat is just old school hardcore it's just well it's not old school it's kind of crossover it's got lots of different elements but to me it feels like a hardcore band and then how do you uh manage all these projects at the same time like you you have a production company yeah okay yeah go ahead communication is key uh for me uh, I just have a rule I set for myself a long time ago. It's kind of like really been working for me is I don't ever promise anything I can't do. And if I say I'm going to do something, I make sure that I'm doing it. Otherwise, I just don't say anything. Um, so with that in mind that, you know, everybody that I work with kind of knows my situation. Um, thus far, there have been no conflicts or entanglements. We just work things out. We have, like I said, important there's an importance of the team there's been times where i've been uh on tour i was on tour with cutthroat and fate destroyed had a show uh luckily you know 
we have a nice network of people that we trust, uh, especially for the drumming position. The drumming position I actually inherited from Josh Alves, who <clears throat> is currently in Rivals. Um, he kind of tapped me to play. And, uh, you know, he fills in from time to time because we still have a good relationship with him and, you know, he's family. Uh, we've also had uh, other fill-ins as well. Um, I'm not sure of their names at the moment because they weren't. In oh, no, uh, Davier Perez. Uh, he's also uh, filled in for, for us. We have like a, ne a network of musicians that we work with um, just from doing this for so long. So, like I said, it's like if it's a conflict, you know, it's my responsibility to figure it out. <laughs> so I just figure I just decide what what's going to work best and then go with that. You know? Yeah. And I think scheduling but scheduling I'm always is important. Taking responsibility for it. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's always my you know, yeah. Love it. Yeah, I think it's great that you do so many you're so diverse, you know, you play guitar, you play drums, you do production. I think it's cool that you're in different pockets of of the music world and the production world and it just allows you to take on these different outlets that that you love to do and pursue. Um, so what have you been doing during quarantine since we can't tour right now? Like, what have you been up to? I mean, this has definitely been my most productive music year. Um, just been cranking out tunes for all three bands. Uh, we have cranked out pretty much the remainder of year of the rat this year with you, but also musically I had, I did a lot of that this year and then we did, We've done a lot of stuff that we haven't released yet that I worked on this year. Uh, and then I did helped out with the full length for Fate Destroyed. And I helped out with the full length for Cutthroat as well. About half. I, I think I wrote about half of that record. So that's very... A lot. Of, I got a lot of shit done. Uh, I feel good about it. I'm proud of all of it. I think it's like the best stuff I've ever come up with just... You know, uh, working on heavy music in general or coming up with a different, you know, way of communicating these uh, very familiar emotions. So it's all, it's been pretty cool. But yeah, that, that's been my story with the pandemic for sure. I love it. I love that, you know, freelancers have adapted the quickest to this uh, tribu tribulation of a year. Um, I feel like we've, we've been able to take on more projects and, and get more done. You know, like you approached me about matriarchs and I was like, well, I have nothing but time. So why don't we just j dive into the deep end? Like we said er earlier and, and just write some music and work on some music. And so I'm super stoked about what we're doing and you're the rat comes out in October. Um, super excited for that. And if, if the audience wants to hear it, um, where can they go? Where can they do pre-orders, all that kind of stuff. Okay, yes. Um, matriarchs.bandcamp.com. Uh, all the stuff that's come out so far is going to come out there. Um, if you want to pre-order the record, uh, we're doing it through Cold Cuts Merch. So it's just coldcut, coldcutsmerch.com slash Upstate Records. Our record's coming out through Upstate Records and Blood Blast Distribution, uh, as well as my own uh, independent label, Knucklehead Zinc. Awesome, man. And uh, my last question for you is, what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started all of this? The most important thing, the, the most uh, efficient 
use of energy to get everything that I want or that anybody wants is working on that thing that they love. So that means, you know, working on your instrument, you know, uh, don't worry about getting signed or being in the right band or work on your instrument, like work on being amazing and everything else comes to you with that work. Awesome. And if uh, people want to work with uh, your production company or if they want to maybe hire you for a session playing guitar or drums, uh, how can they find you? How can they get a hold of you? Oh, um, um, you can hit us up at, uh, oh, should I give them my email? Uh, or website, email or website is good. Oh yeah. Five rings com. Perfect. That's probably the easiest way. So that was my podcast with Ben Levy, my drummer for my band Matriarchs. If you guys want to check out Year of the Rat, you can pre-order it down below in the description. There are some links for you guys. If you want to pre-order it, or if you want to listen to the singles that are out now on Bandcamp, you can do that. I also put our Spotify down below. And if you guys want to get a hold of Ben for any production work, Five Rings Productions, definitely check out his links below. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a huge favor and leave a rating and feedback. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, I will send you a signed photo print. If you enjoyed this, share it with somebody. Share it with somebody in production. Share it with somebody that is a freelancer. And if you want to be on the podcast, if you have some stories to share, I would love to hear from you. Hit me up at contact at justtheletterk.com and we will get you on an episode of Project Freelance. I will talk to you guys next week for another episode. My name is Kay Anagonio. I'm your host. Stay strong, keep enduring, go out, and go create something.